Blog Talk Radio. everyone, and welcome to Zen Up, a podcast produced by Sunbury Press Book Speak Network, and you are on episode three. I am your host, Susan Kiskis. In the show, we bring two worlds together, wellness and spirituality. From yoga to Buddhism, healthy eating to turning dreams into reality, listeners will find themselves on a journey into their own virtual spiritual pilgrimage. If you want to continue the conversation after the show, visit my Facebook page, Yogic Living with Susan, or sign up for my weekly newsletter at SusanKissKiss.com. And if you love this podcast and you like variety in your podcast, you might want to check out the Book Speak Network here on Blog Talk Radio. Sunbury presses other great shows to appeal to those who are interested in mysteries, horror, and author interviews. So let's get started. Our guest today is author dream teacher, inspirational teacher, Anna Corinne Bjorklund. She holds a master's degree in counseling psychology and is an active member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. An internationally renowned expert in the field of dream psychology, she is the author of two books, The Dream Alchemist and Dream Guidance. Anna Corinne, welcome to Zenup and happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. I'm happy to be here and happy Mother's Day to you too, of course. Thank you. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Uh, both of us released a book about our time in India around the same time. So selfishly, I've been excited yeah. to hear about your journey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first, no, I, I, yeah. Yeah. The first time we talked about being be a dream here. teacher. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. No, for so, sure. For sure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, a dream teacher? What does that mean? What do you teach others about dreams? And how did you get started in this? Yeah, so, of course, like all of us, I dream at night. And I was a big dreamer already as a child. And I really felt already as a young person on this earth that there are more answers than we think uh, we know. I mean, I was searching for big, big, had big questions, and and uh, I thought maybe the answers might be in our dreams. So uh, I would run down to my mom in the morning in the kitchen and trying to tell her all my dreams, and she wouldn't always have the mm-hmm. time so to listen to them, right? So I started writing down my dreams in journals, which was really a beautiful uh, start to to process dreams, which is something I really recommend everybody to do. And that's something I still do today because when we do mm-hmm. start uh, writing down our dreams, we connect with our unconscious. We get this beautiful flow coming in from our unconscious and conscious selves, our left and right brain. And we also feel this connection to something larger than ourselves, right? So mm-hmm. um, I didn't always work with dreams, however. It was only in about the last 10 years or so of my life Actually, right around the time that my daughter was born, I think we all have a little bit of a, a spiritual awakening, giving birth to a new spirit, of course, and then also, of course, uh, changing our, our career path a little bit sometimes. I had a, a corporate job, but I was traveling around the world uh, pretty much every week. So it was a little hard for me 
to be a mother and do that type of work. So I ended up going back to graduate school and studying at first spirituality, and then I went to do the master in psychology. So, yeah, for about the last 10 years or so, I've been working with dreams. And in the beginning, it was more about, you know, what does, what do dreams mean and trying to interpret them, which, you know, it's fun. Um, but there's more than that, I believe. So um, I would say probably the last four or five years, I've been teaching more about the process of connection in dreams and, and connecting with ourselves, learning about different aspects of ourselves, because we have so many different personalities. And there's a term in, in Jungian psychology called the shadow, which you might have heard about. And mm-hmm. uh, so the shadow is it's a part of ourselves that we have repressed either unconsciously or labored men forgotten about it because they thought it was something we did that wasn't acceptable in society. So we have a lot of these shadow personalities uh, that pop up in our dreams. So by analyzing different characters, situations, and energies that are going on in our dreams, we can learn a lot about uh, aspects of ourselves that we may not even be aware of, which is really exciting, I believe. And but you know, some dreams are not like that. They're you know, so I, I call them. You know, I think we can view dreams from a lot of different lenses. So some dreams are here to help us learn more about ourselves and understand that this is a part of me that needs to be seen, and I need to nourish this part of me a little bit more, right? And uh, and then there are other dreams that are more about emotional processing. So I work with dreams in that way too, just to help us understand. I think we have all been in a situation where we may leave a, a work situation or a relationship, and then we end up attracting exactly the same situation in a different stage in life. And that is because I believe we haven't really uh, gotten out of that emotional pattern that we have attracted. So we are still kind of resonating in that emotional cycle. So by looking at the patterns, and that's why it's so good too, to write down our dreams, because then we can identify different uh, um, situations, how we, how, different themes, I should say, in our dreams, and perhaps how those energies are playing out in our daily life. So, so some dreams have more to do with emotional processing and how we relate to other people around us. And then, of course, we also have the intuitive type of dreams where it's more spiritual guidance. And, uh, and we can have characters uh, or dream guides showing up in our dreams to really show us the way or maybe just give us a little extra love and support. So those type of dreams we can't really interpret per se. Those are more just to connect with and cherish and, and feel and experience. Experience, I believe, and then and then the last lens that I use, just as a, like a major to just categorize dreams, is the astral type of dreams, where we actually go on real journeys to different realms. And I do believe that is true. And I do believe I once went into a, a fairy land. <laughs> so so that's just that is very how, <laughs> how I work with dreams. You know, they just and of course there are so many different types of dreams. We had the nightmares and you know, it's just so many different types. So how about you? Are you a big dreamer yourself? I am. And so it's really interesting growing up in um with you know, my household. So my mother's family is um had immigrated to the United States from former Yugoslavia. And they oh. had, you know, um, very interesting, so, you know, they would do, like, the coffee cup readings after drinking, like, you know, almost like a Turkish coffee and stuff like that. But dream interpretation was huge 
Um, And so I remember as a kid, like, also going to my mother saying, you know, what dreams I had and then her telling me what the interpretation of that was. So not – there was nothing about in terms of a scientific basis for dreams. You know, it was more like, well, this means that, and -and so-and-so is reaching out to you and sounds like you got a visit from, you know, your great-grandmother or something like that. And that's the way that I was, you know, raised with dreams. And I remember a very significant point for me was actually probably when I was around 12, I feel like I was being trained in my dreams how to uh, different levels of um, how to work with dreams and spirituality because it started Mm -hmm. off with me understanding the power of prayer and attention and how I could Mm. use that to protect myself in dreams. And, um, and that I learned and through that, that training, it was, it was very interesting process. It's a very long story, but I learned how to then control my dreams. So if I was ever in the situation, like many of us have a dream where we're running away from the bad guy and we're going in super slow Uh motion, like our feet are stuck in mud. All of a sudden, yeah. there's a feeling like I'm about, I can't go any further, and I, I have no voice, and I'm not moving. I learned how to actually stop the dream and then to actually change Beautiful. it and turn it into what I wanted to happen. You became so conscious that, in the dream, right? Right, yeah. And so yeah. I credit yeah. someone on the other side teaching me, you know, um, yeah. and, you know, just through this pr- long process. So I'm very intrigued by conscious dreaming, which is something I think that yeah. you work with um, students with, I right? I do. Yes, I do. I do. So, uh, so that is another part of uh, of spir- spiritual healing, I would say. So in Tibetan Buddhism, there is a term called dream yoga, and that is actually <laughs> not as I first thought, because I'm also a yoga teacher, and I thought, you know, dream yoga, oh, that sounds like you're doing yoga and, and uh, you know, just uh, dreaming, but it's, it's more than that. It's a set of spiritual practices that the monks do, and they, it is all done uh, to help us. Uh, so, they, so they walk around in the day, and they kind of learn to look at their lives as if they were dreaming. And the reason for wow. doing that is because they want to bring that consciousness with them into their sleeping dreams. Because then if we have this practice during our daily life, it's easier to also continue doing this practice in our dreams. And, and the ultimate goal is to be fully conscious while we are dreaming and ultimately while we're also sleeping. But the first stage is during our dreams. And so while practicing fully conscious dreaming, being aware, so not so much control the dream per se, but more Mm -hmm. being conscious about what's happening in the dream and reacting. Because life is all about how we are reacting, isn't it? So you can't really control what's going to come against us. A big truck might come one day, but, you know, (laughs) that might be a bad example. But, you know, something might happen and we can consciously choose how to react to that situation. And that is what the the Tibetan uh, dream yoga is all about. And so um, eventually it is all about getting ready for the passage of death so that we don't have to get reborn into the samsara of uh, doing everything monotonously every day in this daily gray cloud. So it's a really beautiful process. So it's in, the, in the Western world, we have something similar called lucid dreaming, which is a very mm-hmm. similar term in, in an extent to that you are aware of that you are dreaming. Uh, but lucid dreaming kind of stops there because um, then 
you know, all the books about lucid dreaming, say, okay, they're great. It's the way you're dreaming. Now you can control your dream and you can make anything come true in your dream. And it's not really, people who have experimented with that probably will feel after a few weeks, it doesn't really work that way. You might be able to influence a dream to create a pink sky or make cakes and donuts fly around or you might have a romantic <laughs> episode with someone you really want to have a romantic encounter with. Um, um, but, you know, in, in dream yoga, that's where our spiritual practice continues. So uh, the Tibetan Buddhists, they believe, and I believe that too, I resonate with that thought, that there are karmic laws everywhere. So what, how we choose to respond to a dream uh, actually has karmic consequences on all levels of our lives. So we don't mm. really want to do something that is harmful to ourselves or to someone mm-hmm. else. And why not use the time to to enhance our spiritual growth, right? So um, maybe even meditate during mm-hmm. in the dream. No, that, that is not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> so, but, you know, we can no, no, I'm, I'm usually a ninja yeah. in many of my dreams. So <laughs> <laughs> I will have to learn and then start to sit in front of someone and meditate for my dreams when they're trying to attack me. Right now, I, yeah, I turn into the ninja form of a... <laughs> oh, yes! That is so cool. But, you know, so, and, and sometimes, and, and something that comes up for a lot of lucid dreamers, uh, a lot of lucid partic- practitioners who are conscious they are dreaming, and also in the Tibetan dream yoga practice, they, uh, they spin a lot. And this is something very interesting. They spin their physical body uh, to help them stay in the dream, first of all, because once you realize that you're dreaming, the natural mm-hmm. tendency is to get so excited that we wake up, right? So, mm-hmm. so by spinning, uh, then that's one way of staying in the dream. However, I shouldn't say staying in the dream. We keep dreaming, but often the dream scene changes. So, mm-hmm. so that's uh, another dilemma. But, you know, of course, if we're using it as a spiritual practice, it doesn't really matter. We can just continue meditating in the new dream scene. Uh, I had a very beautiful dream some years back when my life felt like it was falling apart in my daily life, you know, like how we can do sometimes. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a dream where an angel character showed up and she was walking along my side and we were looking out over a battlefield and I felt like yeah this is how my life feels right at this minute it feels very hard and she said okay just to let you know just to make you feel more comfortable there is a way out of total despair but only use this avenue if you really know that you're ready to to go away from this realm because once you take the conscious decision to move on to a higher realm then all the experiences you have had in this one will disappear they won't even exist in your consciousness and she showed me how to spin and spin and spin with my body to be in and it was just this beautiful uh, she showed me how it would look like and it was just this area of love and clouds (laughs) So I almost took it like, wow, this maybe could be how it is when we die, right? We transition Mm -hmm. and then we naturally are programmed not to remember what happened in that realm because we are born Mm -hmm. into this life and we might remember glimpses when we are babies. My daughter, by the way, she talked a lot about, oh, remember my other family in San Francisco? (laughs) 
or south in California. So I was like, what? So so she came to this life with some glimpses, right? But not mm-hmm. the full conscious awareness of a previous life. So it's it's so it's so many interesting things that are happening in our dreams, and there's so much guidance there for us. But either way, whether or not we learn everything we're seeking, I doubt that. I think it is this contact with with the infinite, with the eternity, that is so precious to us. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually very intrigued about your dream too. So <laughs> I think yeah, our, you know, the listeners would be questioning too. So what? What? I guess did you choose not to move forward if you're going to have to lose consciousness of everything? It, you know, it was more about uh, she was just there to teach me. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to make a decision. It was more about this is so you know you have you always have this option whenever you feel like your life is hard. There's always an option to spin into a higher realm, but you choose it carefully. That's more like the lesson. So I never had to do it because we were walking around. Now, most of my dreams, I don't know about yourself, but I feel like I am the action figure. So I'm inside my dream, right? But there are some mm-hmm. dreams where, where I'm more of an observer. And that happens to people. Some people are observers most of the time. And I tend to be more of an action figure, but then some dreams are when I am observing. And this dream was more, I was walking around observing everything and learning. And she was there teaching and talking to me. And by the way, this lady, she has been in my dreams before. And I once asked her if she was me, an older version of me. And uh, and she didn't want to answer. She just smiled. And and then she disappeared. So you know, so I'm wondering sometimes could it be an, a higher consciousness person uh, version of me who has mm-hmm. connected to a lower consciousness le- level person to help guide me to through this maze? <laughs> I mean, we just never know, right? So that would yeah. also connect to more of a scientific um, thought of dreams, right? Because in um, if yeah. you look at it from a non-spiritual sense, we are, we are every character in our dreams. Is that correct? It, yeah. I mean, so, uh, yeah, so that would be the first way of looking at dreams, where we are every aspect of our dreams, exactly. And then she could also be, but that's more, I believe, that is more from a, like an emotional awareness, understanding of our psyche. But then again, mm-hmm. on a natural realm, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe there's also a spiritual realm where we have different parts of ourselves consciousness level wise so not so much about the emotional sadness and 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 judgment and so on but more about the spiritual level so consciousness that could also be playing out and so yeah it's um it's it's uh, it's interesting to know. I'm also interested in quantum physics. I'm not uh, I'm not well versed in it, but I would love to to learn more. But I do feel that the you know they have these different probabilities, and until they are observed, they don't really exist. But they are all probable outcomes and solutions, right? Mm-hmm. So I believe mm-hmm. too that maybe sometimes in our dreams we can tap into all these probabilities, and uh, if we choose to consciously then observe them as real, they possibility they have a possibility of actually existing. So uh, so we have to be conscious about what where we put our energy and effort of course, because if we have an experience that we don't really enjoy, we probably wouldn't be as good, you know, going in that direction. Because some dreams, this is also when I work with clients who might have a a dream that is more in the area of a bad dream 
or even a nightmare. And a nightmare, by the way, by definition, the difference between a bad dream and a nightmare is because a nightmare, you wake up. That's how scary it is. Those kind mm-hmm. of dreams, those kind of dreams often come in as, as our friends to help us show that something in our lives is not right. Because, you know, having a nightmare, it shows that there is a cry for help from some, someone inside mm-hmm. us. So they, we haven't processed a loss. Maybe we have been through a tragedy and we haven't really processed the sadness enough and taken the time. And it's really important that we do, do seek professional, the beautiful trained therapists and life coaches and spiritual advisors around today that we can go and see and just to really talk it out and, and process, right? We really need to do that. And write as also so beautiful. And it could be also be something that happened a long time ago that we haven't really processed, right? So I, or mm-hmm. it could be something that our consciousness is kind of tapping into, that this is the way that our lives are heading if we don't do anything to change our lives around right now. So it could also be a warning call. So, uh, so I think those dreams are really good wake-up calls to see, is there anything I can do to change my situation, right? And sadly, for some people, there isn't. But they can always change the way they look at it. And that's why I remind myself about some situations in life which we wish we could just change around, right? At the mm-hmm. moment, we may not physically be able to, but we can change the way that we look at, look at it. And then, of course, beautifully, the way that we look at will ultimately change. Beautiful quote from Wayne Dyer, right? So when we learn to look at it differently, then what we look at suddenly has changed. So I think that's a good uh, advice to someone who might be trapped in something they don't know how to get out of. Just look at it differently and hopefully it will ultimately change. Maybe sooner rather than later, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful path for sure, working with our dreams and um and just being consciously aware in everything we do. It doesn't stop there. You know, everything. Look at look at symbols and, and the interactions in daily life, too. I, I like to do that, too, to see, wow, why did I attract that experience into my life? And what might that be telling me, right? So, and what about yeah. uh, the thought process on, like, um, I guess not quite group dreaming, but how consciousness of a group can influence your dreams? So, uh, you know, mm. Matthew, my husband and I have talked about before. I went, you know, I've gone through a series of uh, zombie apocalyptic dreams. And when I wow. talked to some other people, they were actually saying that they also all of a sudden had an up in zombie dreams. And so we were laughing and wondering if this was something that um, perhaps because of all the zombie shows on, you know, TV that's become a thing over the past, you know, five or so years, did that yeah. saturate into the human, the Western consciousness? And then affect not just you know a person dream because I don't watch those shows I don't like her <laughs> kind of stuff. But <laughs> I, I am group. the same. But maybe if we have children, if we have children in the house, they probably do. My daughter, she is ten, and she watches the zombie shows on Disney Disney show, and they are cute and innocent, you know. So we so we might still have it in our conscious awareness that those zombie shows are going on, and we see commercials about them. And we might hear our friends talking about zombies or laughing about zombies. Now, I personally haven't had a dream about zombies yet, but I have had the experience <laughs> of dreaming something that other people are talking about. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I would say still ask the person who's having the dream, why, just, why the zombie and why not 
um, what they are on the show. I don't know. <laughs> two and a half men. I mean, <laughs> there's all the different right. shows that are going on. You know, why the zombies? So they still, it, our unconscious has still chosen that particular image or symbol or experience for us to to communicate something with our conscious selves, right? So I would still say, even if if the group had a tendency of dreaming more, there would still be an individual aspect of it. Why the zombie okay. for me? It just still, and I would it still take the time. Because uh, there is are parts of dream work where I also like to work with the symbols in the dream, uh, because mm-hmm. everything. If you take the time to really notice what is going on, so the zombie, there could be tables, it could be houses, you know, whatever is going on, taking the time to really consciously look at all the symbols, because they also have been chosen for a particular reason. They don't just show up there to fill out the dream. So um, mm. what, do, what do these things mean to you? And often, by the way, when we're dreaming about houses, they tend to, not always, but most, most of the time, they tend to symbolize uh, in ourselves, so our home, you know, what, is, what does it look like? If we look at it from a, mm-hmm. from a perspective like that, but you know, some dreams are just totally different. Then the house might just mean house. So right. Um, so you, yeah, it's there. So yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is that you don't necessarily think that there is going to be uh, your your dreams are affected by the consciousness of others. They can be influenced by common yeah. things that are shared between others, and then even if that mm-hmm. commonality happens just because of coincidence. Um, all these other yeah. small clues, things in a dream that we would look at as backdrop actually have a significance for your own individual self. Yeah, beautifully put, beautiful. <laughs> That's a very nice <laughs> summary. Yeah, I do, I do believe so. And, you know, the Native Americans, they were big dreamers. And they also knew exactly what you said, that there is a personal and a collective level of dreaming. So they were okay. they were very advanced. They were really highly trained dreamers, and they could consciously go inside each other's dreams to reconfirm something. And they would also train dream scouts to go out. So they would designate a person uh, by the fire in the night to say, "Okay, tonight you will go out." Especially the Iroquois. I do know. I read some studies about them, and they would go out in the night <clears throat> to see where the enemies were and where they might be able to find good um, animals to hunt for food. So, um, mm. yeah, so, 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 and then in the morning, they would sit around and they would share dreams. Uh, so they, and then, you know, they knew there was a collective meaning to these dreams, but they would also understand that there was a personal nuance to the dream as well. So, yeah, so, I believe that it's still the way that we have these collective dreams. And in, in, in Jungian psychology, there is the collective unconscious, the feel that we can tap into, uh, tap into when we dream. And that, is, and that is how we might be able to dream about something that actually relates to another person or something that has happened to a loved one on the other side of the world. Uh, maybe a house mm-hmm. burning down or that well, we might be able to see that someone has changed their curtains in, that, in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, that is the, we, are, we are able to go in this field beyond time and beyond space. There's not really those constraints that we have a physical awareness of here in our daily realm. So in dreams, we don't really have those constraints, right? So anything really is possible in terms of experiencing what might have happened as we see it before or in the future. So everything is kind of happening simultaneously in our dreams. So we can just, but it can, that's why it sometimes feels so, it doesn't really feel like a whole 
story sometimes when we wake up. It just feels like things happen all over the place because sometimes that's how dreams were. They just were in different areas of this field. And then we had to pack, and then we naturally try to pack them together into a story, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. So, yeah, so I believe, yeah, individual and, and collective. Do you ever take your students and clients into um, a study of how to consciously dream in order to make change in their life? It, yeah. Yes, we do. So, so, we, uh, so what I like to do is to do um, something called dream flow yoga. So not to be, not to be um, this, uh, I mean, not, not, it's not dream yoga, but it's dream flow yoga. So it's more of a yoga session, very spiritual and slow. And we do a lot of spinning seated moments. So it's kind of like a seated meditation. And, and mm-hmm. then we connect with our dream uh, in this beautiful um, realm of, of real high awareness. And we connect with a dream that we have had. And, and then we re-enter the energy of the dream. And, and we consciously feel how we would like to uh, respond to it differently. And we look around and we become aware. And this could also be a scene as imagination, right? Because we don't know for mm-hmm. sure if we are dreaming in the dream. But we consciously connect with the dream again. So, yeah, so kind of like an active imagination step, as Carl Jung would say. <laughs> right? And so, so yeah, it's, it's very important to do. And then we can choose how to, how to respond to it. And then so if you, someone has, you know, they are unsure, uh, like you were talking about for you, you know, one of the changing moments of your life was, you know, having your, your, your first child. And yeah, how that changed the dynamic of what you were going to do for a career. And, um, you know, it's going to obviously when you have a child, it just changes the entire dynamic of your life to begin with. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Did you use the process of your slow yoga dreaming in order to figure out what it is you wanted to do next with your life, or did that just come naturally? Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, so, yeah. So, I would say here there is a term that I love, and this is something that was used already back like three, four hundred years BC, and it's called dream incubation. Maybe longer before that, but that's that's the time that I am aware of. <laughs> and it was the ancient Greeks, and uh, in ancient Greek Greece and and Rome, Rome, they would have these temples. You might have heard of um, Asclepion, the the Greek dream god. Uh, so mm-hmm. they would have these temples um, called Asclepions. And they were healing temples where people could go who were suffering from either a spiritual decision that they didn't know what to do with their lives, so they had a physical illness. So they would go to this in the night, incubating. So that is when we were asking our dreams for guidance. So that is a different step from consciously going into the dream and reacting with it, right? So this is kind of like mm-hmm. a different energy. We are actually asking our dreams for actual guidance. So this is when we incubate. So And they would spend the night, and they would actually be surrounded by non-venomous snakes because they were sacred to this healing god. And they would wake up in the morning, and they would tell the priest about their dreams, and he would then prescribe a remedy or a solution to their problem. So, um, yes, in answer to your question, I love doing that, too. So, <laughs> my dreams for guidance, uh, I can give you a very fun example. Um, a few years ago, I was, uh, 
I, so I'm a member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams that I think you mentioned in the beginning. And yeah, we are, it's a wonderful dream organization international where researchers and scientists and philosophers and dreamers and authors and writers get together. And once a year, we have a big annual conference somewhere in the world. And in 2014, we had it in San Francisco. And I knew I wanted to at the conference, but I wasn't sure about what to speak about. So um, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to ask my dreams. So the first night that I asked this question, I had a dream about a, a friend of mine. I, I walked into his house and his face was shaped like a clock. And I felt oh. so much love towards this man uh, that I don't really do in real life, but you know, in the dream I did. And it was just so beautiful with this clock face. And I woke up and I still wasn't really sure. I thought maybe something with time or clocks. And I just didn't know. So I said, please be more specific dream. So I went to bed the next <laughs> night and then the dream guidance continued. In this dream, I dreamed, dreamt about, you know, the little extraterrestrial character E.T. back from the 80s. Yes. I don't know if you remember him with a little red finger. Oh, yeah. He was a little, he, he little alien. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, he, uh, my daughter and I, we were walking into a 7-Eleven store, and he had just walked out of it a few seconds before we came. So we didn't get to say hi to him. I just saw him in the periphery of my eye. And, and then I thought to myself how wonderful it would be if we could travel back in time and then we would meet him as he walks out the door. And because it was a dream, instantly that happened. Because, you know, that's dreams. They are like that. You can just do something and in, you think, a thing, think a thought and then it happens. So, yes, we were able to say hello to E.T. And then I woke up and I knew. And I knew exactly what I was going to talk about because the first dream was about time. And the other dream was about time travel. And also because mm. uh, E.T. was there, I thought, okay, this is not just time travel. This is interdimensional because, you know, he's from another mm. dimension. So, yeah, so I actually did a study about different cultures and how they travel in time. So that was, wow. it was like really guided uh, this seminar. So, yeah, so uh, that is something that we can do now. Sometimes, though, what I would say, we spend a lot of time, I believe, asking our dreams for guidance about what to do in our lives, but we spend less time asking our dreams what is trying to emerge within us. What is it that I need to see mm-hmm. about myself, right? And, and that mm-hmm. is the basis of The Dream Alchemist, my, my new book that I, it was published by Sunbury Press just a few months ago. And uh, so that there, I actually, it's based on a sacred journey that I took to India just before I had my daughter. And uh, I spent about a month in a small ashram in southern India, meditating every day, living this sacred, sacred life in silence and listening to uh, enchanting conversations by Dasas and just really really treasuring uh, this moment there and also meeting a guru because, of course, many ashrams in India, they are run by gurus. And Mm -hmm. as a a woman raised in Sweden and then uh, in California, I wasn't really experienced in that uh, tradition, but I found it so beautiful. And I really found myself becoming beautifully devoted 
to this guru. And I came back to America, and for about a year, I was channeling the energy of the guru, following the path. And then about a year later, I started feeling conflicted and diffused and, and confused inside myself, thinking, well, this is wonderful. I do want to honor my guru, but what about my path? Because I felt mm. like I hadn't really, my path felt like it had gone lost, which, you know, it's because I was raised in the Western world. For a person raised in India, they wouldn't, probably wouldn't have that experience because they are so used to have gurus. Almost, almost all families have a guru somewhere. So mm-hmm. for me, it was a big wake-up call because I could see from an outer perspective what I was doing. So I was starting to ask my dreams, what is trying to emerge here, what is happening, because I, I eventually ended up leaving the guru behind. Yes, to have my own spiritual path. And then I ended up attracting different situations in my life and relationships where I still felt, what about my life? So there was a pattern that had been activated by this process of, of being in India and meeting with the guru and becoming devoted. So that is then when the dream alchemist came to play. I asked my dreams, what is trying to emerge here? What is happening? Why am I attracting the same pattern? And a beautiful healing dream came about, which I'm writing about at the, in the end of the book. And it really helped me see how I had, you know, over-devoted myself. And as women, we very often do that. But it was such a beautiful healing process to see this playing out. And I had such compassion for this little girl inside me that had created all these different situations happening simultaneously. So it actually helped me to reconnect with my guru again in India to see that, you know, it wasn't really the guru or the organization. It was more the way that I related to the process of having a guru, right? Mm, so, uh, right. so that was really, really special so it's a very it's a it's my most special work for sure and it I wrote I chose to write it like a novel and it has (laughs) writing in the present tense because that's how I am I actually enjoy reading books in present tense I think they're really fun I'm a big lover of comedy and humor so it's it's written with a with a sense of humor and observation you know the colorful monkeys and temples and nature and it's a, it's a fun it was a fun part of my life writing this book so and but also a very healing journey because i was able to get you know when we are writing we are able to get even more insight right it's like writing a dream mm-hmm. we actually end up seeing more of the dream as we are writing the dream we remember even more right? What's happening? And we're writing it in our journal. And the same happened to me when I was writing about my journey and making it into a kind of like a novel. Then, of course, I was remembering more, remembering more. And, and I could, you know, choose to look at situations the way that I chose to look at them, which is really special, too. It's a lot of power in writing, right? So, yeah, so it's just been an amazing journey writing uh, about this experience. And then to find that uh, the way that I initially thought that the role the guru had to play is not the way that my guru plays today. Today, my guru helps me connect with God. So that is, you know, the mm. guru is not God. He helps me connect with God, with the divine. So, so that is that is the different uh, way that I relate to him now. And there are many sacred teachers that show up in our lives. So uh, another day, I might find that I am more connected to to Jesus or an angel or a sacred dream guide in my dreams. So it's, we have to honor and see where, where our spiritual 
where where we are because we resonate in different frequencies all on a day-to-day basis right so whatever can help us connect and to make us feel connected to this beautiful realm of divine presence i think uh, that's ultimately where we want to be right and i think one of the interesting things too just quickly about teachers is that um, i think that one misconception is when it comes to um you know, a sat guru or an upa guru, you know. So, yeah. you know, we have our, our, our main guru, our main teacher, but, you know, we have many teachers, as you said, during our lifetime. And I yeah. know that for me personally, I had that experience. So I always laugh that had my guru appeared, oh, like 10 years ago, I may not have yeah. accepted him as my, my main guru, right? Um, yeah. I would have been like, yeah. oh, you know, whatever. So but he had to send me all these other teachers who created the structure, yeah. finally yeah. accept, you know, who he was. And and then yeah. since then, because he's he's not in the body anymore, he's he's passed away, that I constantly mm. have these other wonderful teachers that he sent, you know, constantly. And, it, and you know, we yeah. always think also about these gurus that we chase, especially if you're in the yoga community, they have to be yeah. these very wise, you know, rishis and sadhus from India. But life presents yeah. us with teachers in every moment. Our children are our teachers. Our friends are our teachers. You know, um, our dreams so are our teachers. People who are not even in the body come through us through our dreams. And I think that if yeah. we are open to it, there's so much we can learn at every given moment of every day. And I love, I absolutely love the fact that you are so open to using your dreams and sharing with other people how to use Mm. your own uh, inner self, your higher self, um, that higher conscious part of you that wants the best for for your own self or those who are not in this realm or dimension or, you know, in the body who come through us, um, come to us through our dreams. And and you're so open to sharing with people about how we can just use that opportunity every night we sleep. And just to use an opportunity yeah. to grow into who we want to be and make our dreams come true and to process our own emotional baggage. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's beautifully put as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I feel I feel I feel very blessed. I feel this is my I, I love sharing and that's also how I grow. You know, it's how by sharing my growth. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> what what we if we want to learn something we teach, right? So, yes. uh, so, uh, and then write as well. So, yeah, I, I love writing. I do, um, I do, I do uh, love writing my spiritual little insights, and I write them into little cute poems, and I'm putting them all together <laughs> into a, a new book, actually, which is not out yet. But yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful process. I'm putting them all, all my little thoughts about, you know, inspiring. So you have these little, in, little insights, right? So I'm writing mm-hmm. them down and I make them into little poems and quotes and it's such a precious connection. And I like doing that in the morning. I love morning light and uh, I go to bed very, and that's so, something also I would like to speak about just very quickly. It's so important to me at least as a person to have a stable night of sleep every night. So I go to bed every day unless there is a, like a big premiere in a theater or some extraordinary party that I want to go to, then of course I'll make an exception. But otherwise I try to be in bed by 8.30, 9.30. So to get a really good night's sleep, because that is just, it sets the day. And I can wake up around six o'clock, maybe earlier even, uh, if I get mm-hmm. a really good night's sleep. And and so and I don't want, even in the weekend, I don't sleep in until eight or nine, because I want to have those precious morning hours with the daylight and, and uh, and also having this 
to know that, you know, to have a good night's sleep. It's it's just so important. This is this is our time of healing, and rejuvenation, and insight. So and guidance. So just really give ourselves that time and give ourselves a really good space to sleep. I believe. It's yeah, for us. I'm so happy you brought that up because I think that you know um, the one thing that you hear a lot of doctors talking about constantly is how much um, a good night's sleep is essential for brain function during the day. And we act almost unconsciously drunk if we don't have, I think it was, if you consistently have six hours or less of sleep, um, you know, unless you're one of those superhumans, you sometimes don't even realize about these poor decisions that you're making during the day or the level of brain fog you have until suddenly you've caught up on your sleep and then you realize what a funk you were in without, without good sleep. And in order to make any change in our life and to process anything emotionally, we need to have that energy that, that you know, we are afforded in our sleep. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and I'm and so the yoga happy teacher, about yeah. all these studies, you know, because, because there are, there, I do actually have friends who are owners of very successful businesses, and I get so sad when they write on Facebook or somewhere else on LinkedIn how little sleep they have and how they thrive with two or three hours of sleep, and I'm thinking to myself, no, it's not possible. Well, maybe in a dream <laughs> it's possible for one person in this world, you know, but it's, it's, at some point they break down. You know, and uh, yeah. and I do, I love and cherish and I'm so grateful for all the new science in the community and uh, in the scientific community to say how important sleep is for us. Because for a while there, it was a little bit of a stigma. You know, we, we weren't supposed to say that we need a lot of sleep. It was mature to say that we get on with six hours of sleep and it was almost seen as something good. So it's changing mm-hmm. and I'm very grateful for that. So your yeah, tips for people would be, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tips for people, people would be for yeah, to sleep, <laughs> to get enough sleep, <laughs> and to, to, to yeah, and to honor their sleeping space. So you know, have it nice and dark and serene. Don't overwhelm yourself with electronic devices, and uh, and just use this time. Ideally, don't have a TV in your room either. Yes, this is their time. This is your healing temple. This is where you sleep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is where you connect with yourself, your divine, and, and other dreamers, you know, who really, really, this big, big field that we don't really see when we are consciously awake, uh, but when we're dreaming, we connect to something so much bigger, to really cherish that connection and to use that connection. And it will set the rest of the day if you have a beautiful sleep and beautiful dream, beautiful dream, beautiful sleep. And then to wake up in the morning, do a little meditation, and, and to consciously walk around and look at, look at life as if it was a dream, in a way, and then use that conscious awareness in your dreams, too. And do you encourage people yeah. in the morning after them, they meditate to actually write down what their dreams were the night before? Oh, that they I remember? would say I would, I would encourage them to do that immediately before they meditate uh, because okay. the, the risk is otherwise that the dream will go back into the unconscious, and it may mm-hmm. never come back. And that would be sad, wouldn't it? So uh, we want to write it down immediately when we wake up. So, yeah, I, I always have my dream journal right next to my pillow and the pen and a little string so I know exactly where I ended off so I don't have to spend time looking for the page. And, uh, and then sometimes I will even start writing when it's still dark because uh, on the, on, I, I don't want to turn on the light even. I just write uh, in the dark because I'm so scared of the dream going away. Uh, when I know for sure that the dream is there, I will reach out and turn the light on. 
uh, because you know it's so easy once we start moving our head around that the dream will just swoosh away. <laughs> it, it has happened many, <laughs> many times. Yeah, so uh, just really share that connection with the dream first to know, okay, do you have it? Yes, okay, then you can reach out to the light. And you will find that when you start writing that uh, more aspects of the dream will start flowing out that you didn't remember initially. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful process. And, yeah, and, then, and then take people, the time. Yeah, sorry, yeah. And take the time to, to write everything down. Yeah, take the time to look for themes as well in the in your writing. So look at once a year or so to go back in the journal to see. Oh wow, I tend to dream about this often. I often mm. dream about a car going down a hill, or um, I'm in my mother's house, or whatever it might be. Different themes, right? Yeah. Sorry, what right, to find those themes? Yeah. So yeah. before people go to sleep, then do you have also like a suggestion for your clients and your students, like you know, in order to have. Um, the most effective dreams or to try to remember them in the morning aside from having a very healthy amount of sleep do you yeah. you know you're talking about no electronics do you encourage them to meditate before bed or to um you know do like yoga nidra or something before i guess yoga nidra probably not the baby yeah. before sleep but <laughs> yeah but to do some yeah. kind of practice no. before sleep yeah i i personally for me uh, when i meditate even for just a few minutes it's it's just it kind of stays the whole night because the the consciousness that we have just before we go to bed it kind of sets the pace for the rest of the night. So if we are thinking certain thoughts, those thoughts will be with us for the rest of the night, and that is how we can incubate. Right? So we are thinking about mm-hmm. this is what I want to dream about. I want to have answers to this. So you dream. You will program yourself to kind of dream around that question, right? But if you're thinking mm-hmm. stressful thoughts, thoughts are worrying and fear and trauma, then, you know, that's kind of where you will be in your dreams. So it's so sacred to have thoughts of well-being, love, light when you go to bed. So for me, naturally, when I meditate, I find myself in this beautiful divine golden space, even if it's just for a few minutes, because that's, when, that's how I enter my dreams. Right, so I very rarely have stressful dreams, but I have a stressful daily life. <laughs> so, so that is good. <laughs> that I can say I do have. <laughs> I have my some challenges for sure, worries and and fear in daily life. But in my dreams, I feel I feel guided and protected, and that's a sacred space for me because I do take the time to meditate before I go to bed. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much so for recommend. your time. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing oh, with sure. us uh, in wonderful information. I'm so grateful to have this time with you. Thank you so, so, so much. Yeah, it's been a, a very, very special time. And, uh, yeah, I wish you and all the other mothers around uh, the world, whoever might be listening in to us today, uh, a beautiful day and, and then beautiful dreams. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Susan. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So for anyone who wants to learn more about our wonderful guest today, her website is com. There is a link here on uh, Blog Talk Radio, but it's A-N-N-A-K-A-R-I-N-B-J-O-R-K-L-U-N-D.com. And, of course, you can find her as well on Facebook. 
thank you so much for being with us today talking about dreams and dreaming. And I hope that you all have a fantastic, wonderful day.